Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me via Skype. Good evening, Justin. How are you? I, I am fantastic. How are you, sir? Well, you know, sometimes I I feel as though things couldn't get better. And other times I feel like things are pretty great. So okay. I'd say things are yeah. pretty decent right now. <laughs> I... Uh... Things are fine. Things are just fine. No reason to no reason to complain on my part. There you go. It's beautiful. The only, the the worst part of this moment right now, which there there really is only one, uh, because any time that I get with you is just priceless. Uh, oh. But I'm in my basement, and the furnace is like, well, we'll say like 25 feet behind me, and my basement's unfinished, so. I, I'm like, I have everything like up against one of the walls so that the sound isn't too, too bad as opposed to like being in the middle and it bouncing everywhere. Uh, but the furnace, you know, it turns on and then you can hear the furnace. So I have to turn the fan completely off. No fan running for the hour or whatever that we're, we have our episode and I turn the heat Mm -hmm. way down. I got to turn it down to like 64. So I know (laughs) before our show, I crank it. I was up at 70. I crank it way up. I get the house nice and warm for the for the girls upstairs. And it makes it sound like I have a brothel upstairs. Um, it's just my <laughs> wife and, and one-year-old daughter. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully over the course of the hour, my house doesn't drop six degrees, which it, it doesn't. So we're good. We're good. Well insulated. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I had to insulate the spot in the attic. There's a, uh, you know, the, like the roof of my living room goes all the way up to the, to the ceiling and you can see the wall of like, wait, there's a wall, um, where the attic is on the other side and the, the whole wall wasn't insulated. So like the attic on the, in the Joyce is insulated for the, for the bedroom upstairs, mm-hmm. but there's no insulation on the wall to the living room. So all like, and there's obviously there's no insulation in the roof because there's some in the floor, like in the joist up in the ceiling. So it's, yeah. yeah. So I, I went in and I, you know, I, I put tons of insulation in there and, and it's good now. It's crazy. The temperature would drop was, was like a good eight degrees difference in that room. Cause it could get so cold. Uh, but then when I put the insulation in, we're good. So Beautiful. pretty nice. You should come. My house, my gosh, there's, like, for those that don't know, I'm completely gutting my house. There's absolutely no insulation in any of the exterior walls right now, which is fantastic for heating costs. Was there? There was not. <laughs> oh, that's that's a good, that's good. That's how my house yeah. in Livonia was, too. There was no insulation. <laughs> there, was, there was, I'll say there was, but it was, like, laughable what was left over. You know, I mean, it was probably 50, uh, the house was 58, so 60-year-old whatever stuff they put in there had all like sunk to the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the, and, and you know, when that happens, when there's, when your house can actually be at the temperature that your thermostat reads, right? Like, Oh, I want my house at 68. It can read at 68. But because the walls are actually significantly colder than the house inside, it actually creates this weird effect where it's, it is, 68 inside but the way that it feels to your body it's not and it feels much colder and like you can never get warm it's i'm glad you're putting insulation anywhere. everywhere i uh, hope you're uh, enjoying 
overtime construction talk here uh, <laughs> as we remodel our homes. Uh, but speaking of remodeling our homes, there's been several teams that are remodeling their front office. Hey, hey, oh, that transition. transition. And the Vancouver Canucks hire their general manager, and so do. Oh my gosh, who else hired their general? Oh, the Montreal Canadiens did. <laughs> and it looks like Chicago and Anaheim are getting ready to announce their general manager. So we'll uh, we'll talk all general manager that that kind of stuff uh in a in an episode in the future in our next episode on this one we are either most teams are either right at that halfway point or they're about to be there here in the next week so we thought that you know given that on overtime hockey talk we always do this we do a mid-season award this is our oh my goodness is this our fourth time or fifth time I, think I want to say a, fourth. Yeah, but I, think I could be wrong. Twenty seventeen, right? So, yeah, I think uh, it was our first season was twenty seventeen eighteen, and this is twenty one. Yeah, so this is our fourth season. <laughs> 2017, 18, 2018, 19, 2019, 20, 2021. No, this is our fifth season, dude. <laughs> oh my, that's madness. <laughs> so this is our fifth, our fifth annual mid season awards. And, uh, you know, as, as usual, we, we go through the traditional awards, but, uh, I, I always like to have at least one fun random award that I award at the end of, uh, of, of the show. So you'll have to wait around and actually listen to the whole thing, uh, to find out my special award that I'm handing out. Very, very unique to, uh, to this I'm excited year. for it. Huge, huge opportunity for somebody to grab this, uh, at the halfway point, uh, I mean, at this point, what what award do you want to start with? Because I'm up for anything, just not like, the MVP. Obviously, you know we got we got to hold off on the MVP. <laughs> let's not go too big, but how about uh, let's start with something easy and maybe talk about the Selkie. All right, the Selkie. Okay, I like it. The Selkie is yeah. my my like I probably had the most fun uh, with the Selkie. Okay. So, so this is good. I'm I'm glad that we're I'm glad we're jumping in on the Selkie. Uh, I now I did my I I I think I probably had a little more time than uh, that I I put I put in a lot of time on this one. I don't know why I just did. Um, so I've got four guys for the Selkie. Uh, I'm gonna start with, with my number four because it's definitely the one name on this whole list that is the most shocking name to appear on any of my uh, potentials for this award. Um, oh my. Call me crazy, but I've at number four, I've got uh, Toronto Maple Leaf center, David Kampf. David Camp Coming All in right. for the Selkie. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Uh, first off, a lot of players that could be up for this award – you you look at who they're playing with and you go, well, okay, yeah, like obviously they're good defensively. However, they are also playing with either stud offensive players or other players who are also doing some of the work. So the, these guys aren't aren't on their own on an island. Um, however, I will say that David Kampf, in some respects, is alone on an island uh, because of the way that Sheldon Keefe has used him. Now. In terms of players who, uh, you know, we, we can track guys' offensive zone starts. And 
you know, a typical split, whether you're a real offensive guy, a real defensive guy, you might see, uh, like, even if you're a really, really defensive type of player, your coach really likes to use you in uh, in those types of situations. We, we tend to see, you know, maybe a guy's like 60% in the offensive zone or 60% in the defensive zone, you know, if he's, he's that kind of guy. Maybe 70%. Uh, but David Kampf, oh, but David Kampf, out of anybody who has played more than t- 10 games, actually, t- actually more than three games in the National Hockey League, he leads the league in defensive zone start percentage. Uh, and I really, there's, there, honestly, there's nobody even close in terms of players who have actually played more than, say, eight games. Uh, 82.1% of his offensive zone starts have, or of his, of his, the faceoffs that he's been out there for have been in the defensive zone. Uh, the next highest, Dylan Gambrell with the Ottawa Senators at 77.7. So he's 5% higher there. Unbelievable how often he starts in the defensive zone. 17% of his faceoffs are in the offensive zone. So this guy's starting at a disadvantage, obviously. Uh, and. Oh, I just lost him. Where'd he go? Sorry, I got my stats up. Yeah, 82.1. Okay, so uh, he's playing 14.48 a game. In general, two, two and a half minutes a game on the penalty kill, and then the rest five on five. He still, despite starting most, like the vast majority of his faceoffs in the defensive zone, he still has a Corsi of 48.2. Which is pretty incredible to consider that he has to go all the way down the ice more like what one time out uh, five out of six times that he's on the ice almost he has to he has to start in the defensive zone uh, and yet he's still really close to even uh, for his possession number so that's huge uh, at the same time the players that he's playing with uh, no one. Like stud, you know, he's he's kind of getting shifted around. He's he's been playing with all sorts of different players. He's really not getting any time with Marner, Matthews, Nylander. He's not playing with those guys very much. He still has ten points. He's a plus four, but he he's being stuffed in the defensive zone more than anybody. In more than anybody comes even close, uh, and so I had to at least tip my cap to the guy who and. Uh, Face-off win percentage, he's uh, 55.1%. Pretty darn, pretty darn good, 55% in the face-offs. Uh, so all that to be said, I know a, an unusual player to have in there because he's not the, uh, you know, he, it's not like he's putting up huge numbers and like a like a Bergeron or something or a Barkov uh, while also playing pretty well defensively. This guy is just relied upon defensively in an unbelievable way and I, I I tip my cap to him. I gotta I gotta give him some some recognition that there's no one else like him in the league right now in terms of his defensive specialty from the forward position. Yeah, I can't I can't hate it and I'll tell you why because I actually so in the fantasy league I'm in this year, for whatever reason the guy that's running it, it's it was a buddy of mine's league, uh 
they had like existing members forever and they needed somebody to come fill in. So of course they naturally paid me to do it, not knowing that right now I'm running over everybody in this league in first place. <laughs> of but, course you are. <laughs> um, so I'm sure they're pissed about that. But uh, basically he screwed up when he was setting the scoring because he, he was adjusting things for this year. And he accidentally set the face-off parameters or points to basically be a lot higher than you would in any other circumstance. Okay. And so now it, it's been a race for who can grab the most face-off wins every you know week and basically get you know some points to supplement and you know okay. just put you over the top, right? So I'm not even kidding you. I have David Kemp on my on my team because he's a flex at right winger and center, and so he's been killing it for me for sure. Yeah, I mean he's taken, uh, gosh. How many draws is this? 290 plus 236. Uh, 526 draws? Yeah, 526 yeah. draws in 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 39 games. So 40, I mean, he's, he's taken 13, 14 draws a game, and if he's winning more than half of those, I don't know how many points you're scoring per, per faceoff win, but hopefully less than one. Right. <laughs> how many points do they award to a win? It's a point per face-off win. <laughs> oh, God. So he's scoring you like eight, nine points a pop, whether he scores yeah. or not. Yeah, wow. so basically we, we end up with like, I, I mean, I average around like 500 points in Yahoo's Fantasy League. And so I've got Leon Dreisaitl, who's killing it. Uh, I mean, I've got Anze Kopitar. So I've got all these guys at the, literally at the top of the league as far as face-off wins are concerned. And nice, it's nice. Uh, yeah paying off quite well. So Awesome. Uh, well, we just spent the last eight minutes talking about David Camp. So, uh, congratulations! <laughs> like, literally, no one, no one has ever actually talked about uh, David Camp winning the Selkie for so long in the history. No one's ever of, talked about him this long ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope I like to think that his like mother or father has, but sure, uh, <laughs> that's generous. But I, I feel like we might have just you know done something incredibly unique. We talked about David Camp winning the Selkie for ten minutes. Um, okay, <laughs> who who rolls into your? Uh, do you have top three, top two, something like that? I've got top two in every category. Okay, basically, so uh, well, I'll, I'll give you my 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 number three. I've got Austin Matthews at three. Okay, uh, going I, Toronto, born three. Yeah, yep, three and four. I I kind of you know the David Camp was like, well, uh, he's not going to win it. I know, I know he won't be in that conversation. Um, even though he should be, if the if the the trophy actually went to guys who were like, dang, this guy is so useful defensively, um, but purely defensively, he would be in the conversation. I really think that he would. But because the award is basically like, hey, who's really good but plays good defense too? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because if you're if you don't put up a bunch of points and play good good defense, then you're not going to appear. Like it's funny because you could probably. Who who do you look at as somebody who's good defensively? Probably somebody who kills penalties. That's why uh, that's why Datsuk won this award so many times because he killed. He always was killing penalties. Oh my gosh! And he was a thief. And I, yeah, and that was a big reason why I have Austin Matthews up here uh, because Austin Matthews is an absolute thief. <laughs> he he <laughs> steals the puck left and right uh, in terms of his uh, his takeaway giveaway. Ratio. Um, I'm sorry, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, Austin Matthews is sixth in the league in steals in the in the takeaway category. Forty one takeaways in thirty six games. 
Uh, so Austin Matthews in there uh, had had to had to toss him in there. David Camp, Austin Matthews, a, a combo, we'll say at number three. Okay, now please don't tell me you've got Tavares in your top two now. <laughs> and Marner. <laughs> okay, let's hear your top two, and then I'll uh, I'll give you mine. All right, number two, I've got Patisse Bergeron. Me too. Uh, yep, me too. Yep. Uh, he's leading the league in faceoff wins, and pretty much, you know, I mean, he does it every single year. Feels like you have to throw him in the top three almost every year, um, and there's a good reason why, right? So, and now he's got to do it without having a guy who drives a line and David Pasternak on his wing. So, just doing that with you know Brad Marchand when he's uh, not causing issues, it's uh, yeah, pretty good. So, all right. And who do you have winning the award? I have Anze Kopitar. Anze Kopitar. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me I about really, what led you to Kopitar winning this award, because he's not in my in my top four at all. Okay, so let me let me give you my reasoning here. And so basically when I look at uh, face-offs are a big thing for me, right? And so, um, you know, he's number three in terms of face-off wins in the NHL. Um, when you look at his production, 37 points in 43 games, obviously production always plays a part of it, like you mentioned, and, you know, um, when you look at who he plays with, with Ayafalo and Kempe, these guys aren't exactly great defensive players. They're they're fine players, sure, but sure. they don't like, um, you know, it's not like Matthew's getting to play with Marner, right? You have two guys who play pretty good on both ends of the ice uh, on the same line. So, you know, for me, Kopitar having to really go out there and drive possession in both the defense and offensive zones has just been, you know, killer for me. And plus, not to mention that. I mean, he plays about 21 minutes a night. So for me, that's just that's key because you know he's put out there in almost every situation at that point. Okay, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I can appreciate it, and and the fact that his team has been playing so well. Um, if the Kings do end up making the playoffs, um, you certainly have to, you know, that has to to play a a factor in into why you might toss him in there too. So absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, my my winner. This this might be even more offensive than David Camp in my top four. Uh, I I think this would be the f- first ever time this would happen uh, if he were to win this award. But in terms of overtime hockey talk uh, history, this is the first time anyone has ever won this midseason award that has been a rookie in the National Hockey oh. League. Oh. Do you know who I'm going to snag in here? Oh, are you are you going to say Nick? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I'm going to say Anton Lundell wins okay. my midseason Selkie. And let me tell you Real? why. Uh, yes, please. I, obviously, like this is this at least I, I get it. David Camp, not a guy who's putting up big, big numbers. Um, Anton Lundell, he's centering that third line for the Panthers, right? He's playing with with uh, Ryan, Sam Reinhardt a lot. and uh, 39 games played. He's got 26 points as a rookie. He's like fourth, I believe, fourth in the in rookie scoring behind Lucas Raymond, Trevor Zegers, and Marit Sider. Uh, so, yeah, fun, funny, like a guy, he's also in my, I, you'd have to think, he's somewhere in my rookie of the year thing there. Uh, don't know. I mean, who knows if he's going to win it in mine, but I've got him winning oh. the Selkie. Uh, okay. Now, yeah, so he's he's fourth, just a point behind Maurice Sider, uh, a, a good distance behind Lucas Raymond. A, a very, very different players. Uh, but when you look at what Lundell has done, 
as a rookie, starting 56% of his faceoffs in the defensive zone. So he's already being relied upon uh, to, you know, to, to take these defensive draws. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big, big thing in and of itself. And I mean, he is taking faceoffs. He, he's not the greatest faceoff taker, but not many guys are at the age of 20 coming in as, as a rookie. He's at 44%. Uh, but he's still being relied upon for those. And he's putting up points. He is, I'll tell you what, he leads the NHL in takeaway giveaway difference. He's at a plus 22 in terms of, I'm sorry, in terms of, uh, of forwards for, sure. for a giveaway takeaway difference. Plus 22, he's got 42 takeaways. That is fourth in the NHL, first amongst all forwards. Uh, he's behind only Adam Fox, Mackenzie Weger, and Alex Petrangelo. Um, but he's first in the NHL for forwards as well uh, in terms of that that difference. And in the entire NHL, he is third uh, for for takeaway giveaway with, with the defenseman. I mean, it's easier for a defenseman to take the puck away. And it is for forwards. Like literally, their entire job is to take the puck away. So of course they're going to have more, <laughs> more takeaways. And in general, forwards, because they have the puck going into the offensive zone, they are just naturally giving the puck up more often. Like a like Austin Matthews has thirty giveaways along with his forty one takeaways. But that's you know it's it's typical of of different guys to also give the puck away when they have the puck so often. Like it's just going to happen. Um, but Lundell. Has is is just a a strip a puck stripping machine. He's been fantastic. He's been relied upon in the defensive zone. He's putting up huge points. Completely unexpected uh, to do this well this soon in an NHL career. Uh, will he win this award? Ultimately, I doubt it. But the fact that he's so young and he's dominating in some of these uh, these areas of the game already. He he's got to be up there. He has to be up there. So, and he wins my award because Patrice Bergeron gets to play with Marchand, and he was playing with Pasternak for a lot of the the season. Not not right now, but he was. He he's he's consistently playing with very good players around him as well. Anton Lundell, Sam Reinhart, no slouch, but he's also been you know he's he's kind of tossed in and around uh, that lineup because he's so easily moved like he can he can he plays that third line center role so well uh, I expect that later in his career he'll he'll shoot up the depth chart for the Panthers but what a what a steal for the Panthers right now I mean they knew who what they had in him they knew that he was going to be good but I don't think they figured he'd be this good defensively this quick in the NHL yeah I'll give it to you I'm uh I've been impressed with what I've seen out of him and uh Boy, yeah, Florida Panther fans have to be happy because they've got a good one. All right, well, with with the uh, Anton Lundell discussion, should we go to the Calder since we're talking yeah, rookies? Not? Let's go. All right, I, uh, I I let's. Well, I'll I'll toss out my my number four. I'll give you my number four to start, and then you can okay. give me your number two. I'll give you my three two, and then we'll go number one. Um, I have Trevor Zegers on the outside at my number four. Uh, even though I think that 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 fancy goal he scored 
uh, the Michigan goal that he scored earlier in the year is is definitely going to give him some good publicity for that Calder. Uh, and the fact that the Ducks are good, that helps as well. But um, I just I think the other three guys ahead of him are 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 making more of an impact, and so I'm I'm going Trevor Zegers at four. Okay, I love it, uh, and I don't hate it either because um, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's just got he's got flash, and I think that's what a lot of voters like to see out of a rookie, right? Yep, they just want to yep. see slash or flash over substance, and so. You know, hey, um, but yeah, I don't even have Trevor Zegers on my top two because, again, I think Anaheim's going to, you know, fall off a little bit here. I think with Edmonton looking to make a push, you know, it, it rumors are going to get Evander Kane here signed. Um, well, he's also so like, making a yeah. When you look at the rest of the the other top, uh, I mean, even the top like six rookies, uh, mm-hmm. top six rookies in scoring, you've got. Lucas Raymond, Trevor Zegers, Maurice Sider, Anton Lundell, Tanner Jennett, and Michael Bunting. Uh, all of them are by far much better plus minus over Trevor Zegers. Now, not that I put a ton of stock into plus minus, but I, you also have to think, I mean, Trevor Zegers is on a playoff team, and he has been on the on the ice 11 times more than he scored. He's a minus 11. Marit Sider is a minus three, but he's on a bad team and he's playing a lot. You know, he's playing 22 and a half minutes a game on a, on a, on a very mediocre team. Uh, whereas, you know, some of these other guys, even, even Lucas Raymond is a zero. He's even. Uh, so I, I consider I look at that and go, yeah, you are doing good things offensively, but you're also maybe struggling defensively, which is typical of a rookie. Right. No, absolutely. And for Trevor Zegers too, he actually plays a majority of his, you know, faceoffs in the offensive zone. So when you're getting scored against and you're, I mean, a majority of the time you're starting the offensive zone, right. that's a concern for me because you're losing the puck, you're losing the battles down low, and then you're, you know, going the other way too many times, you know. So yeah, didn't even make the list for me, but at number two for me, I've got Lucas Raymond. Um, he's been fun to watch as a Red Wings fan. He's, you know, obviously leading all rookies in scoring right now. Uh, he is definitely a little bit more flash than substance like Trevor Zegers, but um, I love every aspect of his game right now, and it's something that's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with a player being incredibly skilled. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm, right. not, I'm not not picking Trevor Zegers um, in my top three because – He's just too flashy. I, I don't care about that. I, but I agree. Lucas Raymond, uh, he's my two. I, I've got Maurice Sider at three. Um, I okay. really like Maurice Sider. It's just really hard for defensemen to win this award. Uh, be, just, just because. Again, you're right. Like we like numbers. Now, granted, he does have really nice numbers. Uh, Twenty-seven points, third in rookie scoring. Uh, we'll see what happens here in the second half. He had a really quick great start to the season and has slowed a little bit, uh, which is typical of of rookies, but it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, but yeah, I've got Cider at three and Lucas Raymond at two. Okay. So I kind of have a feeling who I think your number one is, but uh, for it's me, my Silky Trophy winner. What do you know? <laughs> uh, I've got Maurice Cider for me at number one. Michael because, Bunting? Is yes, that what you said? Michael Bunting? Michael Bunting. <laughs> He's a rookie, you know. He's a rookie. Uh, I know. It's actually I'm I've been very impressed with what he's done too. He, a rookie, he's been but. such a a wonderful replacement for Zach Hyman. 
Like, yeah, Much I mean, better than I thought they were going to get. Yeah, I mean, he's not Zach Hyman, but at the same time, if he continues what he's doing right now, he ends up with twenty goals and almost fifty points. I mean, that's Zach Hyman. That's better than uh, gosh, what was what's the kid's name? Oh yeah, Jack Hughes. That's better than Jack Hughes did his rookie season. So true. Yeah, yeah. tip of the cap. <laughs> Jack Hughes doesn't get to play with Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, right. but I'll give you that. It doesn't matter. I mean, they. He also had to play well enough to play with them, right? Like you don't just someone doesn't just go, well, let's just put him with Matthews and then he'll be good. No. You you you're showing talent. I mean, in fairness, he had ten goals in twenty one games last year for the Arizona Coyotes. I mean That's not bad. Kid can score. Uh he just is willing to do the things that most guys aren't willing to do. And it gets him goals. Right. And he's only playing fifteen minutes a game, which is pretty good. I mean, that's line minutes so you know right, he's right. not out there for like special teams and stuff so right. he's still getting production without that you know that power play time and things like that so yep yep uh, lots even more, of you know lots of re- of uh yeah he three of his or only three of his points come on the power play you know so 21 right, of exactly. his points are which in, in fair you know a lot of these some of these guys uh like lindell same three only three of his points are, have come outside of the power play or uh, outside of even strength points four he has one shorthanded goal uh anyways right okay so uh Marit Sider wins yours he'd be the first defenseman since I believe Aaron Eckblad Aaron Eckblad yes in 2015 yeah. and before him was uh St. Louis Blues uh gosh what's his name can't remember right now <laughs> I can think of his face he it was like 2003 I want to say was uh uh-huh. was the last def- uh, who is it I'm going to let you sit on this one for a minute and see it. if you can't uh, his name starts with a b somewhere in there you're you're get you're getting there dang it why can't i think of that okay well yeah well, it'll come to me uh, i'm going to tell you barrett jackman barrett jack <laughs> yeah i knew it was a b i could think of his yeah, yeah. okay anyways yeah so only two in the last 25 years 20 years yeah that's why i i want to see it happen right i mean these are true, n- true. not necessarily my you know who I think they're, you know, the writers and the GMs are going to pick. This is who I think should win it too for me for all these awards. So if Marit Sider ends up with uh, with fifty points as a defenseman in his rookie season, then I I think in the end he does win it. Like, what? Def- when's the last time a defenseman had fifty points in their rookie season? It's been Good a while. Call. It's got to have been a while. Uh, okay, where do we want to go? Uh, Norris or Vesna? Your pick. Uh, let's go Norris. Okay, uh, my number three, I have Victor Hedman. Okay. Victor Hedman. Did not make my top two, but I don't argue with that because I did consider him, and I, I think I, I had four candidates in mind, and so he was definitely one of them. Yeah, uh, he's. I mean, obviously he's up there in, in terms of scoring. I believe he's, uh, he's what, second in league scoring, 44 points. Uh, I th- I think that he needs to, he has to be in that conversation because the Tampa Bay Lightning lost so much in the offseason. I mean, they lost a literal line, uh, and right. and and he has been even more important to that team. He's he's killing it on the power play. He's doing real well um, on, on five on five. Uh, I mean, the guy's on pace for eighty points. You can't can't and twenty almost twenty goals. It's unreal. Uh, he's having, you know, what may be his, actually his best season of his career in terms of uh, in terms of putting up the points. It could could end up being that way, uh, especially as this team continues to get healthy. His career high 
is 17 goals was 17-18, and he had 72 points in 16-17, and he is well on his way to beating both of those. So we'll see a career year for Victor Hedman, and the voters love love them some Victor Hedman. Uh, but I, I have him a, a little bit further down, uh, obviously at number three and, and not, not winning the whole thing, uh, mostly because I the, these other two, I just I see what they're doing, and there's just some uniqueness about what they're doing. So I'll let you give me your number two, and, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, number two for me is Kale McCarr. I know literally every writer I, I I see is already slotted his name in as the the winner here, and with good reason, right? I mean, the guy is so flashy; he takes over the game so quickly. Um, I mean, last night is overtime winner. It's it's testament to what he's able to bring to this Colorado team and. Uh, he's so dynamic on the back end, but for me, I just think he still needs to improve his defensive side of his game a little bit more. Because for me, I you know again, points speak so loud when it comes to this award for defensemen, and so uh, that kind of irritates me. I think they should have a separate trophy as far as like total points and then best defensive defenseman. But you know, neither here nor there. Uh, so it, hel- it helps overall, that he's on the best offensive team in the league. Too, absolutely, you know? and that's that's part of the reason too. Is I don't think. You know, again, I while I think he's definitely help helping carry this team towards excellence. I think you know he's got a, a large supporting cast that's doing a lot of the work for him, or or I should say with him. And so for me, it just kind of yeah, just kind of knocks him down just a peg or two because my number one I think is a lot more important in my opinion to his team uh, versus you know the rest of the defensive core. And really, the whole the team as a whole, I think okay, this we, guy has a larger impact. So. so, is your number one Adam Fox or Roman Yossi? No, no, no. It is Roman Yossi. Okay, Roman Yossi. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I considered Roman Yossi. Uh, I actually have Adam Fox at number two, and Kale McCarr winning the my first half Norris Trophy. Now, okay, I will yeah, say, I, mean, I will say that. Let me just say this about the Norris Trophy. I'd say more than any trophy given during the year. The second half of the season, defense becomes much more valuable and important down the stretch. Teams tighten up, and the true defensive juggernauts are leaned on much heavier in the second half. The points start to dry up. Maybe not, you know, maybe not dry up, but they it's not as easy to score points in games 60 through 82 as it is games 1 through 22. You know, those I absolutely agree with you. So absolutely agree with you. Now, my reason, Kale McCarr has to win the first half award. Now, for, first off, he still has four games left in his first half, and and uh, based on what he's what he's put up, we're, we're going to see another four points. So he's going to probably be right there with Adam Fox leading the the league in defensive scoring. That's one thing. the The guy has seventeen goals <laughs> in thirty seven games for a defenseman. He, I, I believe he, like, he's the first defenseman since, like, the 80s to be at 15 goals as quick as he was. I mean, and maybe Mike Green, I mean, back it, when he was putting up, yeah, even plus, faster but. than Mike Green. Yeah, he's, he, it was, oh, gosh, I can't remember what defense, I think it was maybe since Paul Coffey or something like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. anyways, Kale McCarr is poised to do something that very few defensemen have done in the NHL. Right, like, if he can score thirty goals, that's unbelievable. 
Yep, I will give you that. That would be quite a feat. And, you know, another guy, I mean, part of the reason I like Roman Yossi, too, is his ability to score goals. And so, obviously, he's not as dynamic as Makar, and and that's going to help him a lot, right? Especially when it comes to, you know, Norris Trophy votes. He's just so dynamic and fun to watch, and so is Adam Fox, too. And I I wouldn't be upset if any of these four guys we talked about won the Norris. I wouldn't say, okay, no way he should have won that. Um, Now, the only other guy I could see maybe – etching his name into this conversation uh, might be Aaron Eckblad. But other than that, I think one of these four guys has got to come home with the award. Well, if he gets, if he gets uh, 30 goals, then he will join nine other men who have 30 goal seasons. Uh, hmm. There have been a total of 17 30 goal seasons for uh, an NHL defenseman. Uh, granted, you know, I'm sure you could guess who has most of them. Uh, Bobby Orr, I, Bobby Orr has <laughs> five of them. Um, and, oh he has a, and he has a 29 goal scorer season as well. Uh, so basically he has six of them. Uh, and then Paul Coffey has three, four of them. And, and then you're, you know, you're looking at a couple one-offs, Doug Wilson, Kevin Hatcher, Mike Green, Denny Potvin. Oh, Denny Potvin has two of them. And then Phil Housley and Ray Bork. And there's there's your guys who have scored thirty goals, uh, so I mean it that is elite company. I mean I'd say out of everyone on here who has scored thirty goals, what Kevin Hatcher and Mike Green are the only ones not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I'll give you that. That is a, elite company. And when you consider the times, like. When you look at who, uh, when those guys scored those goals, I mean, all those thirty goal seasons are, uh, like, you've obviously got Bobby Orr in the early and mid seventies, and then the rest of them are in that seventy eight to to eighty nine span, and then Mike Green. So mm-hmm. it's so rare. I, I, that's why I just, I mean, the fact the fact that you're a defenseman scoring goals, and and we're not talking like he's taking little shots from the point getting you know and he's just kind of throwing them through and getting lucky a few times i i mean he's he what his shooting percentage is 15.7 so it's not as if his shooting percentage is like 28 percent, and he's way above his career average his career average is 11.1 so he's four four and a half percent higher than than where he normally is he's just shooting the puck a ton and uh yeah things are going in for him a little more but Holy smoke, some of the moves this guy is making are unbelievable. And he's doing like he's he's scoring all by himself at times. It's not like he's just throwing pucks at the net and getting lucky. Anyway. Right. Uh all great picks. All players who could who could absolutely win. I like Roman Yossi winning that award. Uh because I do agree with you. He is so important to the Predators. But is so he the most is he is he the most important predator? I don't know. Ooh. Uh let's go to the Vesna okay. and find out. Yeah, okay. Well, um I will tell you my top two does not include anybody from the National Predators. Well, that's because you suck. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well then let's uh might as well get my well, no, yeah, I'll I'll give you my my Four, f- four, three, and two. Okay. Okay. I've let's, got let's two tied it. for three because I'm indecisive. <laughs> I, I hang out with my wife too much. I think. What there you go. Uh, okay. My my number 
3A, 3B, in no particular order, uh, is Jack Campbell and Tristan Jari. I love it. Uh, both 3 and 4 in goals saved above average. Jari at 16 and Campbell at just a, a 14 and a half goals saved above average. Uh, both guys pretty high in their quality starts. Um, and, I mean, incredibly low goals against average. Their save percentage is identical, 926. And, I mean, both guys are, are winning games and barely ever losing. <laughs> 23, <laughs> 7, and 4 for Jari and 26, and 3 for Jack Campbell. I think that both players, um, Jari's getting a little more a little more love in terms of how important he's been to the Penguins' success because the Penguins have had Crosby out for a while and uh, Malkin was out for a while. Uh, you know, there's just been some different issues that way. Uh, so, and and because of Jari's uh, lack of success, that now that he's having the success, I think it's just a great story. So people are are looking at it a little differently. But Jack Campbell is in in the same boat. Like there's been times where. The, the Leafs have not been good in their in their own zone. They've had a lot of players miss time. And Jack Campbell has won them some games. And he's done it by himself at times. And I, I think truly Jack Campbell, the way he's playing this season, he's having one of the best goaltending seasons that a Maple Leafs goalie has ever seen. I, I mean I'm not I'm not willing to go uh 98, 99 Cujo yet. Because that <laughs> season was just unbelievable the, what what Curtis Joseph did but uh Jack Campbell just he has played phenomenal and he is the like he's the guy in Toronto but Tristan Jari is has has been unbelievable for the Penguins too when they've had absolutely nothing in front of him uh, so for that reason they're they're my three four I, I, I didn't know how to separate them so I just I just kept them there <laughs> together I don't hate it don't hate it because at number two for me I've got Jack Campbell Okay. All right. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, so I did struggle between him and Soros, uh, which one to put up at number two. But for me, ultimately, I think, you know, as a team, Nashville plays a lot tighter of a defensive structure where I think it's sure. not, not necessarily benefited Soros a little bit more. But uh, lately, I've been watching Toronto's defense play a little bit softer. And I think Jack Campbell, again, there's been a lot of games where he's just literally kept them in it. And, just overall his career and you see where he's come from and how he's been able to basically take the reins of this Toronto team and give them one of the better, like you said, seasons that a Toronto goaltender's ever given. It's just been fun to watch. He is dynamic and uh, I'm hoping he has a more prolonged career and this isn't just a one-off for Toronto. So uh, hopefully they've got a good future with this guy, at least for another five years, maybe. And uh, for me, hopefully, you know, he won't, you know, again, as long as he's in Toronto playing, I think he's going to get opportunities for wins, which will definitely help his, you know, Vesna candidacy. But I think right now this would be the time to win it if he's going to get it. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, he's he's also thirty years old, you know. So that's uh, that's a thing. You don't you know, you're not generally going to going to hang on to a thirty year old goalie for uh, a super long time after that, especially one. But he he didn't hasn't have as much wear and tear on his body playing in NHL games. Uh, prior exactly. to this, he's already broken his career high for games, uh, games played in a season. So yeah, he he's uh, it'll be interesting to see how he how he progresses. Like, does he have more? Is this all you know? Is this the ceiling, or is there more? Um, and I guess really that question really only matters in the playoffs. Who cares 
you know, regular season, make the playoffs. In Toronto, that's all that matters right now. Exactly. You can look at Tim Thomas, for example, a guy who started his career later, you know, got off and running a little bit later like Jack Campbell did and managed to, to play well into his 30s and play good quality goaltending. Yep. All right. Um, I guess we who need to find out two? who won. Oh, I have Juicy well, Sorrow. I have uh, Juicy Sorrow set number two. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I I truly think that he is he's the reason that Nashville's having so much success. He has just taken his game to another level. Eighteen point seven goals saved above average, which is I, I mean, you're looking at that's that's like. I mean, imagine in in eighteen different games, the other the opponent scoring one goal less. I mean that that can be the difference in a win or a loss in many many games in the NHL. So uh, he's just been so important. He also leads the league in quality starts. Uh, I mean, this guy has been so incredibly consistent. And frankly, like any anything that is happening in front of him, like he he definitely out of all the the four goalies that that I have on my list, he's got the the least amount of talent in front of him. So uh, take that for what it's worth. I mean, other than Roman Yossi, uh, I, I'd say that you know he's he's the guy. Juicy Saros is the reason that this is happening for the Predators, and uh, you know he's the next great Nashville goaltender. We've seen a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. And your winner. I think we have the same guy, but I'm going to say Igor Shosturkin. Yeah, yeah, Freddie Anderson. Oh, uh, Igor. Oh, hey, he's leading all goaltenders in points, so there you go. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, four points. Uh, Igor Shosturkin's mine, too. Yeah, I mean, leads the league in everything. Save percentage, goals against average for goalies that have actually played more than, like, a few games. Uh, right. He's been fantastic, and, uh, yeah, there's... The it's if he had though his only knock I guess is that he only played twenty six games because he got hurt, uh, but that's not his fault. And we we saw Ben Bishop get nominated for the Vesna after only playing like what thirty six game or maybe it was like forty one games or something like that. So mm-hmm. you don't need to play a massive amount of games to win this trophy. And the fact that he's twenty six games, twenty two goals saved above average. That's like. He's basically at a game, a goal a game. So if he's at the 36 that Saros is at, he's at like 35 goals saved above average, which is unbelievable. Uh, how how much better he's playing than uh, than what the average would be uh, if the average goaltender was in net for the Rangers. So I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's the MVP of his team? It's Igor Shosturkin, but. The, the Rangers have been, you know, they've also played 17 other games without him in there, and they, you know, they've they've still fared pretty decently. So uh, the Rangers are are so good. It's the one thing that makes me like, uh, maybe Saros, like, he could, over the course of the next, like, the next half of the season, he could take him over uh, if Saros, with this lesser talented team in front of him, continues to dominate the way he is, but. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, what do we what do we have? Uh, coach, coach of the year. Yeah, let's do coach. Why not? Okay, uh, my number three. I'll toss out my three, and then we can go uh, go two two, and then one. Uh, I've got Andrew Burnett of the Florida Panthers. Okay, and uh, I, I guy had to take over in a really. I, I would I would just describe it as like an awkward takeover. Like, wh- how else do you describe it? Like, it's just this. 
crappy situation. Nobody actually wants to lose Joel Quinville as their coach. He built the whole thing and created the systems. And I mean, what a what a weird situation to get your first coaching gig, but it happens. Bill Zito trusts them, and Andrew Burnett has has done phenomenally as as the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And and dare I say, have that like. I know they had, they got off to such a hot start, so it's hard to you know. Obviously, they're they're not as good. At, if you take away the start, they're not as nearly as like crazy impressive. Still seven and two in their last ten. They're amazing at home. They're scoring goals. They're plus minus plus fifty uh, tied with Colorado. They've they've been fantastic, and so I I have to Andrew Brunette has to be on that list simply because the story is just too good. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. Okay. All right. Who do you have at number two? Number two, I've got Mike Sullivan from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. And yeah. uh, and who's your number one? Gerard Gallant from the, okay, New, York the New York Rangers. Rangers. Okay. All right. Yes. Team that missed the playoffs last year. And yes, goaltending is helping him out a lot. But again, he doesn't have any elite talent on this team and he's managing wait, 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 I mean, wait, wait, outside wait. maybe Adam Fox. But, what about Artemi uh, Panarin? I know, I know. What about okay, Chris Kreider so, who's leading the league in scoring almost? Yes, but what I will say is no elite center. Sorry, I should rephrase that. Okay, he doesn't okay. have an elite center. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they have literally no players on their team. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so he, he doesn't have the elite centers like, you know, like Crosby, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, who can drive play. So basically he's having to, you know, I mean, look, he, he's put in a good system that really fits this team so well because they're, they're going in, they're playing, you know, rough hockey. They're going into the dirty, the low areas down low. They're playing in front of the net hard. They're not easy to play against. And it, you know, it definitely helps that they do have Adam Fox who can basically move the puck up and down the ice with, without an issue at all. And it's going to be up there for the Norris, but man, I mean, I mean, what else to say for a team that missed the playoffs last year and they're playing so well this year and all it took was a, you know, quick little coach change. And, you know, hopefully if he can get Alex Lafreniere to, you know, get off and get going, uh, then it's definitely in the bag for him for sure. See, I'll, I'll say that, that when you've got Capo Caco and, and Alex Lafreniere both underproducing, a combined 10, uh, 13 goals in 78 games for those two guys this season, uh, that would be my knock is that, you know, even though the team's really good, you've got these two guys who you seemingly should be doing everything you can to put them into a situation to be able to help your team uh, because they are so good and they will be so important to your team. Uh, I, I just, I, that's, that's my one knock is they're, they're not really getting a whole lot of power play time. And I, I just, I, I mean, of course, some of that is going to be those on those players, um, but I think that he likes his veteran players a little more. And, Absolutely, he does. And, and when you got guys like Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad playing so well, sure. it's hard to find those guys' time on the power play, right? Yeah, but I think you got to do it anyway. Like I think that there's you could put people into better situations with those guys to be able to produce. Uh, and who knows? I mean, it's funny. Earlier when I was searching both of those guys, just Googling them, the top article for both players was different articles talking about how the Rangers should trade this player. <laughs> both Capo <laughs> and, and Alex Lafreniere. So 
And obviously there's lots of talk about them moving them, which if you're considering that like they're not really doing much for you and if somebody's willing to give up a lot because they see their potential um, and you can get a good player who can come in and help you, you know, trading one of them might not be the, you know, you pick the one you think actually is going to be good because it's pretty clear they're probably not going to hit on both of them. But Mm -hmm. you need to at least flip one of them and and sort of hit on one of them because of the asset that you acquired. Uh, But that's that's another conversation for another day. I have uh, John Hines at number two with the Nashville Predators. I like you were saying earlier, his uh, the system that he's put into place is just working for this team. I mean, guys are having career years, resurgences in Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. And Philip Forsberg looks like he's having fun playing hockey again. I, this is a team that is just clicking everywhere. Um, and then, of course, uh, what, Gene? I can't. I can never remember how to say his name. Gene? Gene? The rookie for the, the Predators? Oh, Tanner Janot. Janot. There you go. Yes, Tanner Janot. Uh, another, like a, a great success story, which uh, we saw in New Jersey when John Hines was in New Jersey, the way that he was able to kind of take some – uh, lesser known prospects in the organization and, and kind of bring them into the fold and, and make them useful players. And that's a huge coaching success there. So I got to give him that. But my number one is your number two, Mike Sullivan. The Pittsburgh Penguins have been just obliterated with injuries. And he was able to hold their head above water like we said they would need to do. I remember in our preview, we said, you know, if the Penguins have to try and hang around and sit around like 500 or a little better. And then when they get everyone back, they'll probably end up making the playoffs. But things have mm-hmm. gone much better than that. <laughs> I mean, they they def- <laughs> they kept themselves in the playoffs, and then everyone came back, and now they're trucking towards first place in that division. Thing so of beauty. I, I got to give him – that's that's coaching right there. You know, that's it's very, very much a part of the – part of the the equation Mike Sullivan showing why he is one of the best in the league yeah well uh should we go GM why not <laughs> why not? why wouldn't you uh <laughs> all right I'm gonna give you my number four I've got four go with it um so there's uh how many general managers have been fired this year the Chicago Blackhawks fired everybody uh the Anaheim Ducks Fired their GM, sort of stepped down, but because he was a giant dick, uh, the, <laughs> the Anaheim. Well, yeah, yeah, he he was having, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, the Vancouver Canucks fired their GM, and the Montreal Canadiens fired their GM, uh, and there were some other GMs that might have been involved in things, and and they escaped, they escaped the jaws of uh, of the firing. And so I wanted to give my number four, the GM of the first half, to all the GMs that weren't horrible people over the last 20 years. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I felt like they deserved it. You know, they, uh, you know, they didn't exhort, uh, uh, they didn't ignore someone's pl- plea for help or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And maybe there's other stories out there where they did, and we just don't know about it yet, but they're not included in that award then. I just don't, I don't, you know, if you're a horrible person out there and you're a GM, then you're not included in my award, but I'm giving that award to, uh, you know, God knows <laughs> he's watching. He knows who the good people, the good GMs are. Uh, so 
Uh, anyways, to the people that aren't horrible people, uh, we'll we'll give the tip of the cap. All right, love it. And then I'll give Kelly McCrimmon my number three vote of the Vegas Golden Knights for the Jack Eichel trade alone. Okay. I mean, thing of beauty right there. Absolutely wonderful trade. This this guy just <laughs> navigates the salary cap like a freaking wizard because other teams <laughs> are like, oh, we can't do anything. We're up against the cap. And Vegas is like, oh, we're up against the cap. How can we squeeze this $10 million player in there? <laughs> and then they do it. And then they do it. <laughs> Unbe- unbelievable. I know he hasn't played a game for them yet, but uh, just – I, just the fact that they were able to pull that off, and and really, I mean, yeah, they give up Alex Tuck, they give up a you know a draft pick, and and Peyton Krebs, who he scored two goals the other night, good for him, and uh, I I think he'll be pretty good for Buffalo, but uh, you know nothing compares to getting one of the best players in the world. So yeah, uh, I got to give him the tip of the cap just for making that move alone, no, let alone the navigation of the salary cap and having to figure out all that like. It seemingly every single good player on the Vegas Golden Knights was either hurt or had COVID for a long time this year, right? Like everybody was out and they're still first in a in a bad division, but they're still first. They still had to do it. Yep. Who's your number two? Number two. I've got Stevie Y. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe Stevie a little hometown pick, But I gotta say, just you know, again, watching the Red Wings. You see how the patience has paid off now with these rookies. He made these incredible picks, makes the decision to keep them out last year when maybe they probably could have played. Now he brings in these young guns. Doesn't get too jumpy, like, for example, when you know Jack Eichel was on the, on the board there. Uh, they talked about you know the Red Wings certainly had the cap space. The Red Wings certainly had the assets to make a move sure. and bring in a guy like that. And Steve Eisenman holding firm, not, you know, wagering assets to do something like this and now you see it's paying off with all these younger guys he gets uh robbie fabry extended at a minimal cost um you know same he goes out this offseason and gets Pius Suter from chicago for whatever reason they decided to let him go uh so he gets himself a quality middle six center and uh yeah and and the nadelkovich trade alone this this offseason my gosh was just insanely good nice nice steal yeah, and so you've you've seen it pay off quite well for the Detroit Red Wings. Now, again, they're they're not going to make the playoffs, so that's probably going to knock Steve Eiserman out of the conversation when it comes to GM of the year. But ultimately, I think you know he definitely deserves some recognition for the work he's done, and now it's showing off this season with a team that's competitive but still rebuilding. And I think they're you know still got a couple more years to go, but uh, it's exciting in Detroit now. He may not win the award, but he appreciates the encouragement from you. I'm sure. There you go. Uh, Stevie, if you're listening, you know, we, we respect you. We love you, but you're not going to win GM of the year. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> my number two, funny enough, <laughs> is Kyle Tufus. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, the, the reason I, I, I ha- tagged Kyle Dubas for this award, uh, you look at the players that he, I mean, with with not much room to navigate the salary cap, uh, coming into this off season, you look at the players that he brought in on the cheap, right? Like he brings in David Camp, who wins the Selkie Trophy. He brings in Michael Bunting, your Calder Trophy winner, and he grabs Kasha, who is another guy who uh, could 
he he's a poor man's selkie selkie guy there. Um, Oleg Kasha has been a, a revelation for the Leafs and really a steal because he was a guy who could who could put up was a potential twenty goal scorer and um, yeah you know, was just wreaked havoc amongst the opponents. People don't like playing against him and. Uh, and he just had injury problems, but they take a chance on him, and he's been really, really good for them. Uh, I, I think what he did to fill in the lineup after losing Zach Hyman and having to, you know, like many GMs, having to navigate all the COVID stuff, um, but it seems just seems to be even harder in Canada. Uh, but the moves that he made to solidify the rest of that team it's like he hit on every single one except for Nick Ritchie, which we don't, we don't talk about that, <laughs> which, which, you, you know, you're not going to hit on every single move. And, and ultimately, you know, that one, yeah, it's, he's signed for a couple years, but, uh, but the other three moves that he made in the off season, I mean, those are like, those players are the kind of players that if a team wins in the playoffs, whether they win the cup or not, whatever. Um, but, when they go and they win rounds in the playoffs, those are the players that you're probably going to go, wow, that guy had five points in that playoff series. He was so important for the Leafs. Like, you know, you ignore, you kind of want to look past the superstar players to see who else is kind of going to fill in, score goals when those guys are all tied up. And uh, I think that he brought in those, those players to do that. So Dubis is my number two. I'm curious to see who you have winning this. I have Kelly McCrimmon winning this thing. Oh, okay. All right. Just for the Jack Eichel trade alone, I think he deserves it. Um, Being able to bring in a guy of that talent, that caliber, without having to give up a piece like Mark Stone, um, you know, Mac Pacioretty, you don't have to give up these monster pieces. Uh, You lose Alex Tuck, yes. That's, I mean, he's a quality top six guy, but... You know, again, Peyton Krebs, I don't think he's going to be anything more than a second-line guy at best, Um, a conditional first, a conditional second. So, again, not giving up a ton to bring in a guy who basically is a franchise player. Um, And you get a conditional third-round pick out of it, too. So not really, again, so you're still getting some talent back, you know, as far as the third-round pick is concerned. And, I mean, again, you know, managing to keep this team competitive – keep this team churning when they lose Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, you know, again, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, these guys have all been out at various times throughout the season. And so you you have, you know, this team in Vegas, basically, that is still competing, still, you know, at the top of their division, all because of, you know, a few little simple moves. And, you know, again, you know, hopefully, you know, a guy like Nolan Patrick pans out too, because that's another trade that, you know, maybe yeah. we can talk about in a couple of years and say, man, what a second goal. freaking – yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he finds you know a way back into you know middle six position here, but uh, you know five points through thirteen games is not too bad for a, a third line guy. And maybe you know he gets it back to where he's you know a forty fifty point player maybe in a couple of years. And now you look and you say, man, what a freaking steal! And not to mention all this done, and he still keeps Shea Theodore and Alex Pietrangelo. So okay, masterful in my mind. Now again, when he brings Jack Eichel in, I think they're probably going to lose somebody. Uh, yeah, that'll be sure. interesting. To Riley see too, Smith but. or somebody. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I am, I obviously he's my number three. My number one is Bill Zito, Florida Panthers GM. Okay. Um, 
I'm I'm going to start first by the fact that he obviously he didn't have much of a choice, but you know, you make the decision to to say like Quinville, you're out. Like, I mean, he he resigned, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that Zito's telling him, like, to. "Sorry, bro, you got to you're you're done." Uh, but he he brings in Andrew Brunette. He trusts him, and uh, like that's that's a tumultuous that's a situation. Guy. Yeah, and a young coach, and and yeah. he's he's trusting him, and it has worked out very well. Which to me says that you know he had to he brought in Andrew Brunette. He he was a part of that hiring process, and so um, ultimately he he at this point it sure looks like he he made the right decision, allowing him to run the team, be the head coach. Uh, you look at the players that they've been able to bring in, like within the last calendar year, right? Like we're gonna go Sam Reinhart. He's been phenomenal for the Florida Panthers. Uh, Anton Lundell, great, great pick. Bringing it, you know, and and obviously now he's uh, he's taken off. He's uh, he's winning the Selkie Trophy, and I, just the the moves that they've been able to make around in and around this team. The Anthony Duclair, like. All, they've hit on every single one of these. Um, this team is has been built by Bill Zito, and uh, I think you're you're now seeing the product of of what is a really good team in Florida. And and you know it's funny because all this has done. Barkov only has only played thirty games. <laughs> like Jonathan Huberdeau is about to win the Art Ross Trophy. <laughs> right. He's, he is killing it, and he's doing a lot of like this is no longer. Well, Huberto plays a lot with Barkov, so that's why he's doing so well. Well, 13 games this year, he wasn't playing with Barkov, and he's got 58 points. Uh, Florida Panthers first in the league uh, in most things, and uh, I, I, I'm giving my giving my tip to uh, to Bill Zito there for a GM of the first half. Beautiful. I can't argue with that. Well, we have. I think we have. Uh, oh, we we still have Lady Bing. We got the Lady Bing. Yep. Uh, who do you have in your top two there for Lady Bing? So I've got at number two, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, man, just such a, a powerhouse player that's in this conversation almost every year. Same with the Selkie. Um, it's, it, it's, it's amazing as well as he plays defensively that he doesn't get more penalty, penalty minutes. And so I think right now he's sitting at a, a big fat zero. So um, uh, there you go. Or two, two penalty minutes. I'm sorry. He's got two. Uh, two. So, Ready. yeah. Can't can't hate on O'Reilly, but for me, number one, I think honestly, I'm gonna give it to Devin Taves. Okay, for Devin my, Taves. My lady being because to again, a defenseman. Yes, the minute this guy plays on defense, and as rough as a game as he plays, you know, you you would think, you know, for a defenseman, right, playing down low in the the dirty areas, you know, you you figured you'd see a couple more cross checks, um, you know, and especially. For a guy like Devin Taze, who's typically, you know, more or less sticking back, you know, at that blue line, he has to deal with these speedy forwards like Connor McDavid's coming down at him. You'd think there'd be a few more hooking calls too, right? But no, not the case. So Devin Taze certainly, certainly cleaning up and doesn't hurt either that he's at the top of the race as far as defensive points and leads the league in plus minus. So awesome. Uh, my, I'm just going to give you one. My Lady Bing Trophy winner for the first half of the regular season. Average 17 and a half minutes a game. He's a plus 10. He's got 32 points, 15 goals, and he did it all 
without having a single penalty all year so far in 42 games. That's the Pittsburgh Penguins' Evan Rodriguez. Ooh. The unexpected guy in there, but no penalty minutes at all. I, I got. I mean, he's he's uh, he's the gentleman of all gentlemen. Uh, out of anyone That's who, there's six players who have played more than 25 games with zero penalty minutes, and he is the he's by far the player who's been playing the most in terms of uh, time on ice, outside of Will Butcher for the Buffalo Sabers, who's just terrible anyways. So. I mean, it's one thing to, like, when you're putting up big numbers and not taking penalties and you're pretty good defensively, I mean, that's, I guess, Barkov would probably be my, I think he's four penalty minutes, so. Um, but the way that Ryan O'Reilly plays, it's so impressive that he only has two penalty minutes. Like, you think right. of him as kind of like a hard-nosed guy, but he doesn't take penalties. It's unbelievable. But yep. Evan Rodriguez, why not? Wins my lady Bing of the first half. Beautiful. Um... Okay, before we get to the MVP, I did promise that uh, that I would hand out my the award that you know is is not a real award. Uh, every every midseason award have to give out something that just is is very random. And uh, this year, my award is called the player least likely to score all season. <laughs> so uh, there are six players in the National Hockey League who have. Uh, you know they've they've actually played some games, and they have yet to score a single goal. Um, in terms of like in terms of forwards, forwards who have actually played more than twenty five games and haven't scored a goal. There's five of them. Those five players: Riley Nash, Tyler Pitlick, Jonas Donskoy, John Hayden for the Buffalo Sabers, Ryan Carpenter for the Chicago Blackhawks. Pitlick's on the uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, I'll go in. I'll go in my uh, my order. I I think Jonas Donskoy. I'm putting a three because I I think that it's unbelievable that he doesn't have a goal. Uh, he has the most shots on goal for anybody with no goals. He's got 47 shots on goal. Um, he does have 14 points, so it's not as if he's not doing anything. You know, he's not. He's producing some offense. Like he'll probably end up with 30 points uh, when the season's over. But yeah, I, I think he's he's bound to score a goal. But he's he's going to be number three, number two. Ryan Carpenter for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's got five assists and uh, only playing twelve minutes a game. I think it's unlikely that he he scores a goal. But he's out there to win some faceoffs for the Blackhawks, and, and that's it. You know who's going to win my award? I cannot say. It's, it's someone who has already played for three teams and might play for a fourth, which would tie the all-time record for most teams played in a season. Are you talking Riley Nash? I am talking Riley Nash. I oh Boy. I will be shocked if Riley Nash ever scores a goal. He's got two assists. He's averaging about 11 minutes a game. He wins those faceoffs 54.8%. Uh, he's got 24 shots on goal, but I don't think he's going to score <laughs> ever. He uh, <laughs> he hasn't scored in a minute either. And uh, yeah, Riley Nash. Whew. Obviously, someone who was he was uh, when he was signed by the Blue Jackets after having a 15 goal season for the Bruins, um, he went and scored three goals in 78, five in 64, and then two in 37 last year. So uh, we'll see if he can score a goal ever again. But uh, <laughs> Riley Nash played for three teams so far this year. He's played for Arizona, Tampa, 
and Winnipeg, and none of those teams have been able to uh, to give him the spark that he needs to score a goal. Like you got to think something's going to go in off your butt, you know, at some point, I guess. But um, yeah, do you know there's been there's one player uh, in the last you know like basically players that you'd recognize who have played for four teams in a year. Do you remember who it is? No. That player is Juicy Jokinen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was in like, oh gosh, when when was that? Juicy Jokinen in, oh, I I had it up and then I, uh, yeah, Juicy Jokinen in 1718. He played for four teams. And uh, and then, I, uh, actually, there was another one. Yeah, so he, he played for four teams and he actually, so he bounced around. He played played for the Oilers, then the Kings, 14 games for the Oilers, 18 games for the Kings, 14 games for the Blue Jackets, and 14 games for the Canucks. And, yeah, I, and, and missed the playoffs. But for the Canucks, he, he had 10 points in 14 games, and then he retired. Well, then he went, <laughs> then he, then he went and he played overseas. Um, but that's a, that's a good little finish to your, career, for, to your NHL career. Um, the, okay. other guy, the other guy who's done it recently, re- recently Mark Arcabello. I don't know if you remember him. He, he oh, played yeah. for the Oilers, Predators, Penguins, and Arizona Coyotes. And then the following offseason signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's the only one to play for five teams in a calendar year that wow. I could find. So that's uh, <laughs> five, five teams in one calendar year is, is pretty unbelievable. But Yeah, I'll give yeah, you that. Either n- nobody wants you or everybody like everybody wants you. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't, I don't think that, uh, who was it that played for the most? Was it Mike Sullivan played for the most teams? That's a good question. I I think that it was, I think I remember him being, being uh, Mike Sillinger. Sorry, Mike Sillinger. Yes. He, uh, yeah, he was traded. I feel like it was like every year he was traded at the trade deadline. That's what it felt like. (laughs) Um, yeah, the, Anyways, I, those guys just pop into my my brain when I'm looking at weird things like that. Um, but I can't imagine playing for that like so many teams in one season. Like you're there for what like a month, maybe maybe a little longer than that. Yeah, if that exactly. <laughs> okay, well should we uh, should we go to our uh, our MVP? Oh please, let's let's. All right. Oh, Mike Sillinger, by the way, played for twelve teams. And that's the record. Okay. Um, okay. MVP, who do you have? At, oh, you got two. You've got your, your top two. So let's go your number two. Okay. Number two, I've got Alex Ovechkin. Okay. Um, I think ultimately he he stays competitive. This team makes the playoffs. I do think he's actually not going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy this year. So um, there is think? another. Who do you think is uh, going to scoop that? I think Austin Matthews is going to scoop that one up. Yeah, it's looking more and more like it. It's yeah, I mean he's, either he's him or fire. if Dreisaitl will catch his fire again, then. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my MVP, I've got Dreisaitl at three, so he's he's sitting there at three, um, and then uh, Ovechkin wins my MVP for the first half actually. Wow. Okay. So uh, Juicy Soros is my number two Ooh. for MVP, a goaltender. I figured you'd be happy okay. about that. 
I, I'm very happy. Can you guess who my winner is, though? Uh, is is your winner Dreisaitl? No, like it's uh, it's a goaltender. Oh, oh, you're going Shesterkin? Yes, I think he. I and even end of the year, I think he cleans this one up and is the first goaltender since Carey Price to win the award. And oh boy, wow! I know it's not often that a goaltender wins this award, and it's very difficult. I mean, literally on the last like you know forty years, it's been Dominic Kosick and Carey Price, and that's been it. So, yep, yep. Didn't but I uh, think Jose Theodore won it? That's true. Yes, I think he did. Didn't he? Yep. Yeah, yep. he did. You're right about that. Um, yeah, which was just weird. And then he gets traded. A, <laughs> but um, yeah, but for me, I you know what? Honestly, I think watching this Rangers team, they're they're not going to go out there and score a ton of goals like you know, say Colorado will, or you know, again Edmonton, sure, right? Sure. That's the only way they're going to win games. At this yeah, they're point, they're, but, they're fourth in their own division in scoring. Like they right. are they are not going to score the lights off you. Exactly, and to me, he's just been so valuable to this team when he's been healthy. I mean, you you see it, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Gorgiev has has done okay when he's been in there, but he hasn't been phenomenal. And his his goal saved above, you know, average, you know, for Gorgiev is is actually in the negative. So clearly, he's not doing enough to get it done. But this team is, you know, skating by when he's in net. And so when Sturkin's in there, man, it's it's lights out. This team is okay. Let let me let me uh, let me put this out, okay? Because uh, yeah, he's played twenty six games, right? Uh, So far. And I also have a goalie in the running, so that's uh, he's played thirty six games out of Nashville's. Uh, Nashville's played forty four, so he's only not played in eight. Uh, how many games does does Shesterkin need to play in not to win the Vesna? Because I think he could win the Vesna as long. I mean, we've seen it as long as he plays about half the games, he could win the Vesna. Right. How many games does he have to play in to win the MVP, the most valuable player for the entire season out of any team, the most valuable player to his team? Because if he if he only plays 45 games, how can he possibly be the most valuable player in the league for the regular season? Not like He might be the most valuable player come playoff time for his team, but for the regular season, if he's not playing in 37 games, I don't know... Or, or if 32 games, whatever. I don't know if he could win MVP of the entire league. I think a goalie right. probably has to. How many games does a goaltender have to play to be in that conversation? At least 60, right? I would say pretty close to 60. And, and I do think, again, having played 26 and they've got 39 games left, I think he's probably going to play 29, 28 of those games. And so. If you put that together, I mean, at least at 28, 29, you're talking 54, 55, and I think he's got to play that at a minimum to win. And not only that, I think this team has to uh, finish at the top of their division, if not number two, maybe behind Carolina, uh, for him to get consideration. And, and, you know, again, keep these numbers up, right, because that's what's most important and really going to sell it. If he can bring his goals against down under two somehow uh, and get his save percentage up about 940, you know, playing 50-plus games, and with those kind of numbers, that would be enough for me to say, this guy is freaking earning it. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll just we'll just uh, take take a trip down history. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little history lesson here and uh, and figure out what, what would need to happen uh, for that Hart Trophy. 
96, 97 is Hoshik, right? And so. again, that's also assuming that nobody like Leon Dreisaitl or Conor McDavid right, just rips put up 125 points, you know? Well, that's what he's on pace for right now. Right, they are. So again, that's assuming that there's a little bit of a, a slowdown. You know, maybe Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs. So again, if they don't make the playoffs, how can I mean, it's a hard argument to make to put either one of those guys in the conversation then at that point, uh, or a little bit harder to argue for them over a team in the playoffs anyway so okay here's the the two seasons that uh that dominic hoshik won the the heart trophy he played 67 games and 72 games um ironically he had better statistics the following year that he didn't win it in 98 99 the year they went to the finals uh but he still had nine nine three zero and nine three two save percentage. He had thirteen shutouts in ninety seven. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so he played sixty seven and sixty two games. Uh, when Jose Theodore won it in oh one oh two for the Montreal Canadiens, a nine three one save percentage, and he played in sixty seven games. He was he was six, uh, thirty twenty four and ten that year. So he's still. I mean even though those 10 games were ties, um, in the games he played in, they still didn't win the majority of the games that he played in, and he still won the the heart. That's that's just an interesting little tidbit. Um, and then Carey Price played in 66 games, and he won 44 of them with a 9-3-3 save percentage to win the heart. So Yeah, what I will say, though, about today's NHL it's not like dominators NHL where goalies at that caliber were expected to play between no, you know, 65 of course, and of 70 course, games. Of course. So I think for an NHL goaltender, if you're number one, you're expected to play 55, 60 games at this point. So Yeah, and um, 60 games is a, is a big load for a goaltender right. now. Uh, and that's what I mean. If he can play 54, 55 and keep the numbers up where I think they could be, then, of course, then you have to give him consideration. I, but I, I, And I think that that's why a goalie will probably – like outside of just an absolutely mind-blowing season, I I just don't know if a goalie will ever win the heart again. Sure, because I, because I, of I, it, I because it. they're not playing as much. Like it's it's like a you know it in a quarterback that's if if a team had two quarterbacks all of a sudden and they like split time, even if one quarterback played really really well in eight games, he probably wouldn't win it because he didn't play all like in most of the games. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's it, it would be really really hard for a goalie to win this award. And now granted, I have a goalie also in in this, but he the guy's on pace to play like 70 games. <laughs> if if now now if Saros plays in 70 games, we'll say like 60 over 65 games. Let's say over 65 games. Mm-hmm. If he does that and still has these numbers, does is is he like I think he could win the heart. But I think you'd have to play a ridiculous amount of games still to to be in the conversation. But, but. Yeah, I mean that doesn't doesn't hurt his case, especially if uh Nashville makes the playoffs right, and they're right. a team unlike, you know, on some of these other teams where they've got a boatload of scoring, you know, Nashville's not gonna score a ton of goals. Well not just make the play I mean they're like I mean, they're they're not gonna catch Colorado, but shoot, they I think they're gonna probably it looks like they're uh yeah, they're they're going to be up there when all's said and done if they can keep keep this going. But uh, yeah, yeah ultimately, I don't think they finish in the top three in this division, and that's why. Okay. Again, I have a hard time giving it giving an award like that to a team that doesn't finish in the 
you know, the top two of their division. I just don't think he, you in know, fairness, they're enough. in the top two of their division halfway through the year, which it is the midseason awards. <laughs> I'll give you that right now. Uh, that's but why. I that's why I have Ovechkin winning it because I. I okay. Well, I think that maybe he'll slow down. Like this, this first half. I mean, Washington was like a lot of people had them. Like, hey, this could be the season Washington misses the playoffs, and Washington's right there. Man, they're they're gonna make the playoffs, and yeah, they slowed down a little bit lately, uh, but they've also had a lot of inconsistency, a lot of guys out, and 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 Ovechkin is just like on another level, and I'm just I feel like out of any individual player in the league that I'm rooting for to just do well, it's him. <laughs> I want oh sure I want Why to see you him. Root for him? keep cleaning up because it's just so fun to see him and Crosby. It's so fun to see these, uh, these guys who've been so good for so long continue to dominate. It's fun. Yeah. I'll give you that. And I will admit, I think at our, uh, you know, early season predictions at the, you know, preseason when we were predicting the standings, I think I was one of those people that said Washington won't make the playoffs because they're just, they're aging out. Yeah. yeah. And there, I wasn't too confident with their goaltending, which they might actually go out and, Try to find themselves a goaltender. If Mark Andre Fleury goes to Washington, right. it's going to be like Penguins, and then Washington plays the Penguins in the playoffs. People <laughs> are going to lose their fucking minds. I hope so. Oh man, that would be just <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> I would love it because Mark Andre Fleury would probably win that series, and it would just be it would be kind of oh, fun. that would be so great. <laughs> well, all right, well, uh, our midseason awards lasted almost ninety minutes, so. Uh, if you're still here with us, we appreciate you, and uh, we hope you enjoy the games. Uh, Hockey Day in Canada on Saturday should be fun. Hockey all the way from noon to midnight, and uh, I don't know. I'll be watching, and we'll find you on Twitter, or you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, have a great weekend, and I'll uh, talk to you next week. You too, sir. <laughs>